everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. And we're so glad to have you tuned in to today's broadcast and hope indeed you will stay tuned for the entire, the entire message today. Today we're going to be talking about the subject of who picks up a check. And, uh, you, you know, we, we live in a day where people want uh, free stuff. We want free college, we want free food, we want free medicine, we want everything to be free, but actually there is nothing free. Someone ultimately has to pick up the check regardless of, uh, of what it is. We want uh, free food stamps, we want free lunches for our kids at school, everything we want to, uh, well, we just want it to be free. But ultimately there is nothing free. Someone has to pay for everything. Even your salvation was paid for. It wasn't free. Now, it might be free to you, but our Lord Jesus Christ had to pay for that. So we're going to talk about that today. Again, the subject is who picks up the check, and we will take a look at that in just a moment. Just before that, though, Tony Gore with a musical selection coming coming your way. The Lord has a testimony. He's never failed us yet. So we ask the question, why would I fail you? Why would I fail you now? Please stay tuned for today's entire program on Pathlight. Sometimes my faith is weak And yes, I have gone astray Just like that little land Sometimes I lose my way And I feel so all alone There's nothing but doubt to see But when I think of
Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 26, He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. Kind of an interesting verse, isn't it? Can, can I repeat that again? Proverbs 16, 26 was the text. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. Now, if I could give you a simple interpretation of that verse of Scripture, it simply means this. The threat of hunger keeps us working. Even when we may not want to work, the threat of hunger keeps us working. Our appetite for food and shelter works for us by urging us on to work. Days that we may be tired, days that we may not feel good, days that we'd rather do something else, we'll go to work. Why? Because, well, I like to eat, and I like to have a warm place to stay uh, in the wintertime, a dry place to stay when it's raining, and I like to have a coat to wear. So that propels me to work. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. But what happens when people who are able to work can get food or shelter or clothing without working? Well, they become lazy, spending their time on gossip, quarrels, games, and trouble. The Apostle Paul instructed the new church at Thessalonica not to feed people who'd not work. 2 Thessalonians 3:10 through 12 says this, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all. So these people are not working, so they're disorderly. They're busybodies, he says. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Not your bread, not somebody else's bread. But they need to go to work and eat their own bread. Welfare, whether from family, church, or civil government that does not urgently encourage work or that is structured so as to make it irrational to go to work and earn money, sabotages the connection God made between work and eating. It keeps a person's appetite from working for him. Again, Proverbs 16, 26, that my mouth makes me want to work. Some people, of course, cannot work. I understand that. I totally accept that. So if they literally cannot work, they should be helped with food and clothing and shelter by those who can. But wise moms and dads, along with wise churches and societies and governments, will not sever the relationship between work and eating that God has established. We will teach our children to get your chores done before you eat. You get your homework done maybe before you eat, whatever the case might be, because there is a direct connection between working and eating. God has established it that way. A worker's appetite should be allowed to work for him, his mouth urging him on to work. 
Now, most of our food today is not grown on our own property, so it becomes easy to disassociate our food with work. But make no mistake about it. Someone had to work to put food on our table. Someone, usually a lot of someone's, as a matter of fact, picked up the tab. As I looked around our kitchen the other day, I tried to identify where all the food came from. Now, now the easiest answer to that is it came from the grocery store. And for many people, that's as far as the thought process goes. That's the beginning and end of our thoughts. Well, our food comes from the grocery store. Most of the canned food came from a factory here in America. The bananas probably came from South or Central America. Olive oil came from Spain. Spices came from different places around the world. Vanilla extract came from the island of Madagascar, I saw. Coffee came from Peru and the tea came from India. My diet Dr. Pepper must have come from heaven itself. But every time we sit down for a meal, we should take a moment to be thankful. Often from places far away, this food has been harvested by people often earning very little money. Our food has been transported by rail, trucks, ships, cargo planes, and if any of those chains were to be broken by drought, drought, war, or strikes, or economic collapse, or just bad government, then of course the food wouldn't be there on my plate or in my cupboard at all. In fact, we know there's going to be shortages from time to time and prices are going to go up. We may think food prices here in America are going up too much, but what about in the poorest countries? We've recently read of the impossible price rises in places where people have the least money to pay. The point is no one eats for free. Even if you grow your own food, you still have to pay for it with labor. You probably had to purchase or rent the land. You had to pay for the seed, perhaps. You had to pay for the fertilizer. You had to certainly pay for it with your labor, keeping the weeds out and the, and the varmints away. If you're on welfare, still you need to understand that someone has to pick up the check. Somewhere along the line, someone picks up the check. Number one, someone had to work to invest. Farmers invest a lot of money every year just to prepare the soil, then buy the seed and the fertilizer for their crops. They have to buy the equipment to plant and harvest the food. The rancher invests a lot of time and money to purchase the or breed livestock that will one day be placed on your table. Two million far farms dot America's rural landscape and 98% are operated still, even today, by families, individual family partnerships or family corporations. One farm in America feeds 166 people annually. The global population is expected to increase by 2.2 billion by 2050. That means the world's farmers will then have to grow about 70% more food than what is now produced. That's going to take a lot of investment of money and hard work. But someone does it to help feed us. Someone picks up the tab because it is not free. So I said someone had to work to invest. Secondly, someone had to work to nurture. Only the most heroic efforts by farmers and ranchers have kept supermarket shelves supplied in the United States. In many ways, buying our food from the supermarkets has made us forget how much work is actually involved. The harvest is also a bit of a gamble. Truth be told, failed harvest happens somewhere around the world all the time. Remember the blight that wiped out the potato crop in Ireland in 1845? One million Irish people died Another two million immigrated to the United States and elsewhere, and the memory still lingers on. 
Just planting a few seed is not going to guarantee a harvest. Even today, floods and drought and disease can wipe out a farmer's investment long before the harvest ever comes. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of money to keep the food food flowing to your table. So I said someone had to invest to work, someone had to invest to nurture, and then thirdly, this, uh, this day, someone had to work to harvest. A peach or a strawberry or a tomato that is good today may not be good tomorrow. There's some crops that have a very short span of time from which they can be harvested and then sent to market. That's how quickly things can ripen. Some crops are more forgiving, like bell peppers, but even they have a short harvesting window of two to five days. The harvest is critical for the farmer. They need skilled and sometimes unskilled laborers to work in their fields and a reliable supply chain to deliver the goods. Increased fuel costs have made operating harvesting equipment more expensive than ever. It took a lot of work to put that food on your table. Someone had to work to harvest that food. Then someone had to work to process the food. It's always been tough to get people to work in a food processing plant, but recently empty grocery store shelves reflect how the labor scarcity is now the number one issue for many food processors. In the fruit industry, the meat, seafood, and vegetable industry, they all need laborers to process that food. And today it's a major cause of the kinks that are now unsettling the entire food supply chain. Grocers are having trouble getting orders filled. One manager of a local chain store indicated that he was receiving only about 40% of what he ordered from any of his suppliers. Without workers to process the food, there's not going to be food on our table. The fifth thing I want to mention during this harvest season is someone has to work to transport the harvest. Even if the farmers and ranchers produce the food, the food supply chain relies on a complex web of interconnected infrastructure to get it to your table. For example, a lot of the grain produced throughout the Midwest is transported through and to the port of New Orleans. The infrastructure along these waterways, much of it has not been overhauled since it was constructed back in 1929. They represent a serious bottleneck, slowing down innumerable supply chains nationwide, including that of grain. If they were to fail partially, or if they were to fail entirely, then commodity transport and supply chains would be disrupted for months. Railroads are also an important moving grain. Fresh produce, on the other hand, is often moved around the country by refrigerated truck. Uh, The point I'm trying to make today is you and I routinely purchase food that was grown more than a thousand miles away or more and transported to our local grocery store. The cost of transporting our food is often very high, and today with fuel prices, it's even higher. Trucks and trains and ships, all of which consume fossil fuels, are the primary methods for transporting large quantities of food around the world. It costs these shippers a lot of labor a lot of money to put food on your table. No, you are not eating for free. You never have eaten for free. You never will eat for free. Even if you grow it in your own backyard, you're going to have to labor and still expend money to grow that food. Buying the land, renting the land, buying the seed, buying the fertilizer, whatever it might be, 
you do not eat for free, no one does. So if today you think you're eating for free, you say, well, I get a government check. I get free, free food from the government, whatever. It is not free. Someone picked up the tab. Someone was willing to pay for it. Maybe you're not able to work to pay for it. Okay, I understand that. But if you are, if you are, it is a shame that you pretend to eat free because you're not. The sixth thing I want to mention is someone had to work to merchandise. Food companies and supermarket chains, their costs are rising as they struggle to operate with fewer employees than they ever have perhaps in the past. We should be thankful for all the people unloading the trucks, stocking the shelves, cleaning and helping us purchase our food. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of work to keep the doors open at your local market. It's not easy, and many are facing a tremendous shortage of staff today just to put the food out. Even once it gets to the supermarket, we need someone to put it on the shelf, someone to merchandise it, someone to ring it up, someone to help us purchase it. We need someone to do that. We need someone to be there in the supermarket to open it up in the morning and manage the employees and keep the floors clean and things like that. Someone's got to do that. No, you don't eat free. Someone does a lot of work and sometimes spends a lot of money just so you can eat. The seventh thing I'd like to mention is that if you happen to be on government assistance, someone had to work to provide for you. And again, I want to acknowledge that I understand some people cannot work. You are physically unable to work. You cannot you wish you could, but you cannot. I understand that. And families and churches and sometimes even governments to some degree have a responsibility to care for you. I understand that. And again, if you paid for Social Security in all, all your life, certainly you deserve that benefit that you paid for. But the last report I saw showed that an estimated 52% of U.S. households receive benefits from one or more government programs. Now, that's not all food programs, but 52% of U.S. households receive some kind of help from the government. It's probably higher than that now. Rational people have long dreaded the day when the United States crossed that halfway mark because of all the implications for individual and physical responsibility. Benjamin Franklin reportedly said this, when the people find that they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of the republic. Now, it appears to me from everything I've seen that the country has now crossed the entitlement tipping point. And the only hope is to try to get millions of Americans off the government benefit roll and get them back to work. And in many cases, that is difficult to do because here again, who wants to work when you can be on the government dole? Who wants to work when you can get someone else to work for you? Who wants to go out and earn a living when, uh, when you can get someone else to go out and earn a living and you just confiscate or government confiscates for you what he does? Our country has crossed the entitlement tipping point. So I want to challenge those listening today, especially during this harvest season that's going on right now, that when we look at the food on our plates to remember, remember those who cooked it. Remember, too, where that food came from. Remember who planted it. Remember 
Who planted it? Who reared it? Who harvested it? Who brought it to market? If it happens to be meat, who cared for that that cow or that uh, that chicken or whatever it might be? Someone had the nourishment. Someone had to buy food to feed that animal. And if you're on some form of government welfare, remember, somebody paid for it. Somebody paid for it. Because someone always has to pick up the check. You may say, no, no, I was at a restaurant the other day and the manager came by and told me that the meal was on the house. Someone still had to pay for it. Maybe it was the manager, maybe it was that company, maybe it was the stockholders. Someone still had to pay for it. You say, well, I got a farmer who lives down the road and every year he brings me over a bushel of corn or he brings me over some watermelon and he just gives them to me out of, out of his kindness. Well, well, that's great. Now for you, that was free. And that's good. That may be neighborly. I've done the same thing before, and I've been the recipient of such blessings. But I want you to also remember, still, someone had to pay for it. Someone planted that corn, tilled that corn, bought that seed, bought that fertilizer. Someone grew that watermelon. Someone transported it to, to your front door because someone always has to pick up the check. There's no such thing as a free ride. So during this harvest season, let us be thankful that when we consider, when we consider how complicated it is just to get me a banana. Think about that. Uh, it's, uh, for many of you listening to this now, it's getting the cool season of the year. Before long, it's going to be winter. And chances are you're going to go in the supermarket in December or January thinking, I want to get a banana. I, I, I want a banana for a salad or for a sandwich or whatever, a banana pudding. I, I want a banana. And you're going to go in the supermarket in January and expect to get a banana. Now, your grandfather wouldn't have expected that. Uh, you, you know, people 100 years ago would not have expected to get a banana in the wintertime. It was hard enough to get them in the summertime. But you do expect it. And why do you expect that? You expect it because a lot of hardworking people brought it to you. And all along the way, all along the way, somebody was picking up the check. Let us be thankful. Yet in God's goodness, most of us have never been intentionally hungry. You may have been hungry because you were on a diet or whatever, but most of us have never intentionally been hungry. Those plates of food that you have for, for lunch today or for dinner tonight have overcome the uncertainties of the weather, the politics of the market, and Shortages of labor and fuel all to find its way to your table. And for that, we're thankful. For it was not easy, nor was it free, because someone always has to pick up the check. Proverbs 16, 26 says, He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. We as a society and as people and as a family even should not undo the link God has established between food and work, between eating and work. And that's what that verse of scripture means in Proverbs 16, 26. It means because I enjoy eating, because I enjoy a shelter over my head, because I enjoy a warm coat in the wintertime, those are things that propel me to work. And when you take those incentives away because they're provided what is called free, then we sever that link. 
And that is a link that God has provided for mankind because he knows that if we're given the choice to work or not, we're not. If we have a choice to be a sluggard or go out and be industrious, we're going to be a sluggard, and we shouldn't be that way. So God has established a link between hunger and our desire for food and shelter, a link between that, between wanting food and shelter and work that should not be broken. Well, again, I want to thank you for tuning in to the broadcast today. If you joined us late, I want to mention to you again, I acknowledge there's some people unable to work. I know that. And they need to be cared for first by their family, second by their church, and thirdly, if need be, by the community. Until next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you is my prayer. I do pray his richest blessings will be upon you and yours. Mm-hmm.